Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Morning. Feels like a long time since I was last here. Never mind. <laughs> right. As you, you know, if you've been coming regular, we're looking at the church's visions and values and making our way through them um, one by one. Just really to see what our identity is, who we are as a people, what we represent. And this week, we're actually going to look at honouring your elders. I came close to calling it respecting your elders, but I thought that might have a totally different connotation. And basically what it says in our vision and values document is this, that we are a church where elders are honoured as servant leaders, caring for the flock and providing spiritual disciplines where necessary. And if you have a look at that, there is a reason why we honour elders. And it says here, because they're servant leaders, caring for the flock. I think, before I start, there's a couple of stories I want to tell about sheep, actually. Just so we start getting an understanding of how a flock works. And the first story I'm going to tell is an incident that happened when I was doing my Duke of Edinburgh expedition many, many years ago. And one of the things we decided was we would have a a treat. So on the night time, when we set up camp, we'd have a total fry-up. So we brought sausages, we brought bacon, we brought egg, and we brought a frying pan. But we didn't want to print oil, because you print oil, you're carrying a heavy weight. So we actually decided to use lard. Um, So we had our fry-up. It was fantastic. We washed up in the river, as you do. Then we went to bed with all our rucksacks and stuff outside the tent in the sort of awning area, just trying to keep them dry, but not taking up too much space in the tent. Then, around about five o'clock in the morning, the tent started vibrating and it felt like the thing was going to fall down on top of us. It was really, really flapping and it woke us up. You know, we thought it was a wind at first, but then we realised there was a shadow moving around the tent. And it was bashing against the tent. And you know, when you're inside a tent and you've seen a lot of dodgy movies, (laughs) and you're out in the middle of nowhere, all these connotations suddenly go through your head, you know, and it's like, you go out. No, I'm not going out. You go out first. (laughs) You know, nobody wants to be the first one out, do they? But eventually we plucked up courage, and one of us went out. And there was a sheep outside, a big, big sheep, that was eating the lard out the bags. It had taken a real liking to this lard. So we threw the lard away from the tent to get rid of the sheep. Then it ran off after it, fine. Then it came back looking for more, but obviously we had no more. We'd only put a little drop to do our fry up in the night. So we tried shooing it away and it would run off. Then it would come back. We took the tent down, trying to shoot it away again. It would run off and come back. Then we set off. Now, the area we were walking in, the, the boundaries in the fields are like massive. You know, the, it's not like down here where you have nice neat enclosures for your sheep. The sheep really get the, 
the um, run of the hills. And we climbed over the hill, and the sheep's following behind us in tow. And it was only when we finally got to a wire fence and jumped over the fence that we were able to lose the sheep. Couldn't get rid of it, no matter what we tried. The second story I'm going to tell you, just to explain a, a little bit more about sheep behaviour, is another time when I was out walking with some friends of mine from Scotland. And I used to have a dog, and the dog's name was Guvan, which is taken from Gaelic for noisy, because the first time I got it, the first 24 hours that I had the dog, it did nothing but howl. So it seemed quite a name for it. <clears throat> but we're walking, um, and we decided that we'd walk in the Scottish borders and do a, a bit of hill walking down there. Good sheep country again. And we, we had to, to get on the hill that we wanted to go to, there was a field we had to cut over. And in this field, there was a big dip as it went down and back up the hill again. And on top of this dip, we could see a couple of sheep. But apart from them, the field looked empty. So we went into the field and started walking again. And as we got halfway up this mound, there was an almighty din started from the other side of the, the mound. I can't even describe what the sound was like other than it was very, very, very loud. And we just sort of stood there and looked at each other, thinking, I'm sure the only thing that was in this field were sheep. And only a couple of them. But then as we stood there, there was a whole flock of sheep came over the crest of the hill, charging towards us, literally charging. Now, I've never seen sheep behave like this before. And we just sort of looked at each other, thinking what's wrong here? And we realised that the dog must have spooked them, but we didn't know why, because normally, if your dog's in the lead, sheep will just scatter far and wide. It was only when we saw what was coming behind the sheep, we realised, because there was a whole load of lambs in the field with the sheep, and obviously the sheep were there protecting their lambs, and the way they did it was to come over the hill in this big line, charging full pelt towards us, and you'd be amazed how quick a sheep can run when it's got its, uh, got its fleece up. You know, so we did the only logical thing. We sort of turned around and ran ourselves as fast down the hill as we could. And it's amazing how high you can jump over a wall when you're being chased by a flock of sheep, I can tell you. I, I don't know if they're man-eating sheep or not. I won't go that far, but I just wasn't going to stay there and find out. So, I want you to hold on to those stories just as a sort of idea of flock mentality because we're going to come back to them as I go through the they um, preach today. So looking at how we honour elders, it's quite interesting to look at why we talk about flock and shepherds. Because if you look at references in the Bible, there's many, many references and names that Jesus was called as a leader. The woman at the well called him a prophet. The rich young man called him a good teacher. The writer to the Hebrews says that he's the apostle who we confess. But Jesus himself calls himself a good shepherd. You know, you think of these loftier titles, it's a very strange title to choose for yourself, isn't it? A good shepherd. But it's there in John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And if you think back to David's description in Psalm 23, Jesus says, the Lord is my shepherd. God has promised his people Leaders who've got the same characteristics as shepherds. He says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. 
who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And that's in Jeremiah 3. Pierre later picks up the same theme of servant leadership, writing, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing. As God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. So, we're going to start picking apart what are the characteristics of shepherds that make them appealing leaders. Why would we have shepherds as leaders and not great generals or great um, diplomats or politicians? You know, why specifically shepherds? Well, the first thing anyone would tell you about shepherds is that they actually build up relationships with the flock. Shepherds realise that the flock has value. They realise that their asset, what gives them a living, is their flock of sheep. If there was no value in sheep, we wouldn't see so many of them in the British countryside. There's got to be a value. And shepherds realise that value in the first instance. Think about when we, we see winters like we've just had, when the snow's lying deep on the ground. Where are the shepherds? They're out in the fields making sure they're gathering in all their sheep to a safe place, aren't they? No matter what the weather is like, they're out there protecting their asset. The assets of the church aren't measured in monetary terms. They're not measured in buildings. They're not measured on balance sheets. But the assets of any church are the flock, the people who come every Sunday. So the first thing that the shepherd of the church does is he values the flock. So that just put a smile on your face today to know, firstly, you're valued. We've got a shepherd, we're valued. The second thing the shepherds do, and we've already touched on it, is that they protect the flock. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians charges the elders to keep watch over yourselves and all the flock with which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. If you think about sheep, they don't have any natural protection at all, have they? They're nice, soft, fluffy things. They don't have spines. They don't roll up into balls to protect themselves. The only thing they can do is run. But when you've only got short legs like me, you're never going to run very fast. They need protection. In biblical times, shepherds would often look out for their sheep against real dangerous predators. You know, we know that there were lions, we know there were bears. And we know a lot of the time, all they would have was a slingshot. Where did David perfect his skill with the sling? And protecting a flock. In the same way, spiritual shepherds, people who lead the people of God, protect the people of God as well. They protect the flock. Jesus warns us that we should beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, there's people who would try to infiltrate the flock and print disruption division, even seeking to devour sheep. 
You know, they come to church for their own purposes. Not because they're kingdom builders, but because they're empire builders. They like to be noticed. They like people around them. And it's important that we have a spiritual protector there. A good shepherd who can recognize when this is happening. And step in and confront it. Something else about the shepherds. They're always aware of the condition of their flock. I'm reading the James Herriot books again. And one of the things that always strikes me. Is just how well the farmers know their animals. You know they are able to see even small changes in animals. That a vet has to do an inspection on. To try and get to the bottom of. Because they know how they react. They know how they normally react. So they know what the condition of it is when it's healthy. They know what the condition of it is when it's unhealthy. We have spiritual shepherds. And if we are doing stuff that's unhealthy. Then we expect them to bring godly correction to us. There's good ways to do that. There's bad ways to do that. If it was done from the front where somebody pointed out. It's difficult to point out somewhere without making a sin. But point it somewhere and say, you dirty, lousy sinner. That would be a very bad way to do it, wouldn't it? Nobody likes to do that. So a lot of when we see the flock getting protected, it's done in a loving way. They'll normally do it face to face. They'll do it based on the word of God. You know, you don't let your own feelings get in the way, your own emotions. If there's a spiritual danger, it's a spiritual truth that comes into it. In Hebrews we're told that this is the way it should be because it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. You know, if we're being led properly, then the word of God becomes a very important way of keeping us on the straight and narrow. It should also be directed towards Jesus, the correct end. There should be examples to say, you know, this behaviour isn't in line with what we're expecting. We're sinful creatures. But we're being transformed into Jesus' likeness. John Calvin says this. If ministers wish to do any good, let them labour to form Christ and not themselves and their hearers. The ultimate purpose of any correction has got to be in line with Paul's pastoral heart to proclaim Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone mature in Christ. So there's a correct use by the shepherd of spiritual authority so that we get an atmosphere of grace where mistakes are quickly forgiven, where those who have been in difficulty are lovingly restored and everyone is growing in Christ. That's what we want to see. We want everyone to be lifted up. We don't want stragglers. You see a shepherd leading his flock home. And he'll always stop and let the stragglers catch up. Because he doesn't want to be leaving anyone behind. And that should actually provide great security to us. You know, going back to Psalm 23, it says, Your rod and your staff comfort me. You watch how a shepherd uses his crook. You know, occasionally he'll tap a sheep on the backside to get it to hurry up if he thinks it's struggling. 
Occasionally he'll hook it and just pull it along, won't he? Your rod and your staff comfort me. Something else shepherds do. Shepherds feed the flock. In summer it's dead easy, isn't it? You just let them out. They keep the grass short. In winter it's a lot tougher. You've got to go and take the food to the sheep. Or go and get the sheep and take the sheep to the food. And the same is true of spiritual leaders. You know, believe it or not, there's a lot of dangerous doctrines out there. Things that would easily lead us astray. So one of the key responsibilities of spiritual shepherds is to make sure that the, the church is founded on biblical truth. Otherwise we stop being church and we turn into cult. So the shepherd is responsible for making sure that we are well fed. It, Paul says this, an elder must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. In these days of mass communication, there's quite a lot of conflicting messages out there. You know, you just have to go to any number of websites and you can hear so many versions of what is deemed biblical doctrine. But often when you look into it, a lot of it's taken out of context because someone has got something they want to say and they're going to make the Bible say it no matter what. Good shepherds don't act like that. Good shepherds look at the context of what the Bible is saying and they make sure that when they're teaching, that context comes over. That's why it's good that we meet together like this and have your spiritual food in a flock situation and a situation where we know we've got people that we can check with to make sure everything's happening rather than just sitting in a room by yourself listening to the internet and not knowing what you're getting. Again, going back to Psalm 23, it says this, Good shepherds lead the flock in paths of righteousness, helping them to lie down in green pastures. They consistently reinforce the foundational truths of God's word, with Christ at the centre. We also have the Holy Spirit working alongside who's drawn us into Christ. Good doctrine, good shepherding, should include the ability for Christ to come in, for the Holy Spirit to come in and meet with us as well. We're fed by the Word, but we're fed by the Spirit as well. We're told to be overflown with the Spirit of God, aren't we? So it's good that we have a church that isn't just sold out for the Word of God and good doctrine, but it's also charismatic that allows the spirit to move. That we get words coming like this morning. So God can speak into our lives personally. As well as building the blocks. And the good thing about that is that by getting taught like that. By getting built up like that. Encourages us to live well. So that when we do have difficult situations. We can trust that the presence of God is going to be with us. Because we know what it feels like to have the Spirit of God in our lives. We know that our foundations are built on solid rock. Word, Spirit, Truth. And David puts it this way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. I have
having good guidance, we have the confidence that when we're alone, we're never really alone. If you have another look at sheep in a field, sheep are very different to cows in the way that they act. You see a herd of cows, they tend to be gathered in a very small space in the field. You know, and you're normally safe to walk through a field of cows so long as you keep your distance from them. You have a look at sheep in a field and they're totally different. They're all scattered, aren't they? They're dotted about here, there and everywhere. What prints them together is the shepherd. What prints them together is knowing that when the shepherd is there, it's to their benefit to be around the shepherd. And the other principle about a shepherd that encourages sheep to do that is because shepherds lead the flock. <clears throat> sheep have no sense of direction. If you ever watch sheep in a field, they'll just wander about aimlessly all day. You know, they, they don't really know where they're going. And if you watch a lamb in particular, it's quite interesting. You watch a foal or you watch a, a calf. If they get separated from their mother, they'll just wander about until they get back to their mother. They tend to know where the mother comes. You separate a lamb from its mother and it'll just stand and bleat and wait for its mother to recognise its bleat and come to it. Totally different characteristics. And that's why in Isaiah we're told that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. I think that is a fantastic um, illustration of what we're like as humans. Thinking back to that sheep on the Duke of Edinburgh um, award, it was so easy to lead that sheep astray. Once it had found that we had something it wanted that was appealing to it, it didn't matter that we'd ran out of it, it still followed us wherever we went. We could have walked around that hill for days and it would have still been there. I'm convinced of it. Hoping that it would get another taste of the lard. When we're tempted by sin, how easy is it for us to give in? Our human nature is sinful. And we're like that sheep. You know, it's like, oh, fantastic, that looks good. I'm after that. That's what we're like. We follow sin because it looks so appealing and so tempting. What that sheep didn't know is that lard is really bad for it. You know, eventually the lard will kill it if it eats enough of it. Sin kills us as well. The good thing is, unlike the sheep, we also have a free will. And God tells us that all we have to do is turn to him to avoid the temptation. You know, think of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We have free will. We can turn and choose not to follow the sin. In biblical times, which is a way we should look at shepherds as well, because nowadays shepherds tend to have a lot more tools available to them. You know, it used to be sheepdogs, now they drive about in those four-wheeled motorbike things, rounding up the flock. But in biblical times, sheep got to know the shepherd's voice. They would know when the shepherd was in the field and they'd come running to him. And the shepherd would quite happily walk at the front of the flock leading the flock rather than behind it, driving it like we tend to see now. Spiritual shepherds lead a flock. They motivate the sheep to follow their example. You know, Jesus said, follow me. Paul said, 
imitate me. They demonstrate a lifestyle of grace in their personal and family lives. They handle finances with integrity and the pressures of life with consistency, godly consistency. Elders model what a Christian walk should be like. The Bible's quite clear that we're called to honour our elders. It says, we ask you to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and to admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. You know, probably the best way for us to honour a gift then is to follow the lead. You know, imitation is a great flattery, isn't it? You, you look at these guys who imitate people's voices on the telly. If you hear people who have been imitated get interviewed about what they think of it, they all think it's great that somebody's actually taking the time to... Uh, to imitate their voice, to learn their characteristics and put that into action because it's flattering. You know, if we start imitating our leaders, then hopefully it brings great pleasure to them because it says, yeah, you're doing something that I want to be part of. There's something in you I want to be like. It also says in Hebrews this, it says, obey them so that their work will be a joy. Not a burden for that would be of no advantage to you. <clears throat> when we became Christians, we stopped living in a democracy and started living in a theocracy. We come under the rule of God. We come under God's word. We come under the prompting of the spirit. God has put a structure in there. No, I've worked for the police force and there's a very definite structure in a police force starting from the chief constable and going down through the assistant chief constables, the superintendents, the chief inspectors, the inspectors, all with different levels of command, all with different responsibility and roles. God has set up a command structure as well. We've got God the Father who commands the Son, who commands the Spirit. And then we all fall somewhere after that. Well down the, the ranks. We obey what God asks us to do. And it doesn't mean that we stop voting. We still live in a democracy. It doesn't mean that we break the law because we feel our spiritual, um, our spiritual walk is to do so. What it means is that we come under the law because Jesus says give to Caesar what is Caesar's but we still come under the rule of God. But we don't compromise the rule of God when we come under the law. As far as possible we honour the law while keeping God's commandments. Something else shepherds do and thankfully we're not going to get an example of it today is that they lay down their lives for their flock. You know, we gave the example of David and talked about the wild animals that he had to fight off with his little slime. If you didn't fight off that wild animal, chances are the wild animal would finish you off. You pick up books on leadership. 
And it's quite interesting because they'll all talk about characteristics. They'll talk about leaders having a calling. They'll talk about leaders having a gifting. They talk about leaders having character. A lot of them go into practical skills as well that leaders should have. Something that very few of them actually concentrate on is just how much commitment leadership takes. You know, you're literally giving down your life to lead the church. A lot of leaders in churches have full-time jobs like us. Then they come home and do the job of leading the church. Sometimes the families are put to one side because something pressing is calling. Sometimes the spare time that they thought they had just gets swallowed up because there's a need in the church. Spiritual leadership is servant leadership like we saw in the value, which means that you put other people's needs before your own. And that's quite costly. It's costly in time. It's costly in finances. It can be costly in relationships. And even in your, your life. You know, it can cost you your life. There are examples even today where shepherds are literally giving up their lives. And the last thing I'm going to say is this. The shepherds understand flock mentality. The second story I gave about the sheep coming over the hill illustrates how a flock will work together. You know, like I say, most times you look at sheep and they're away scattered doing their own thing. Good leadership will understand what makes a flock tick and tries to ensure that the flock's given direction and teaching so that when required, the flock can protect themselves from threats. This flock knew there was a threat in the field and they were acting together as one. And that's a very important thing for us, you know, because it's not just the shepherd that has a responsibility. There was no shepherd in the field when we were there with the dog, but the flock still took responsibility for its own well-being then. And the important thing is there, we stick together. Regardless that we all have our own separate lives where we're dotted all over, doing our jobs, doing whatever, we are a flock. We have a good shepherd. And as our value says, for those reasons, if we're going to be a good flock, then we honour them. We are a church where elders are honoured as servant leaders, caring for the flock and providing spiritual discipline where necessary. That's the sort of church I want to be a part of. Because it's the sort of church that says people are interested. You know, if someone wants to discipline me, it's normally because they're interested. If you talk to a social worker, they'll tell you that the sort of kids that run wild are the kids that don't get disciplined because nobody's interested. It's good for us, for us as children of God that we're disciplined, that we're given spiritual guidance. But we should also honour our shepherds, just as we honoured our own parents. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.